Welcome to the Watermark OC Church Sunday morning message podcast. At Watermark, we believe that teaching and preaching is not just about information transfer, it's actually about life transformation. So we continue this tradition that has been handed down to the very first believers over 2,000 years ago. Teaching and preaching matters for the formation of your mind, for your soul, for your body. And we hope that today your ideas are challenged and that your imagination is reignited with the truth of Scripture. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to connect with us, just go to watermarkoc.com slash contact. We're taking a break from our regular teaching series. By the way, I, I, if, if you're new to the church, you're wondering what's up with a boot here. Um, I, I ruptured my Achilles, had to have surgery. We were about a month out from surgery and feeling really good and healing up. And uh, we were getting out of the car like two days ago, my wife and all our kids from like our coffee run here at Lion Lamb. And we get back to the driveway and we're really trying to push my three-year-old son to start helping more, you know? He's big, he's strong, he can talk, he can do it. He can do something around the house. And so we're about to get out of the car, and my wife turns to my three-year-old son and says, Deacon, you need to help Daddy. He's got a hurt foot. Without skipping a beat, words come out of the young man's mouth are as follows. He has two hands. <laughs> like, seriously, that's a true story. He has two hands. Like the guy's watching stand-up comedy or something. I don't know, but he's going to start paying rent soon. When he turns 18, I'm thinking about suing him. I, don't, I know that's not very loving, but, you know, the guy has caused me a lot of pain. And uh, so he needs to pay me back. <laughs> I have a, a different family story of a different relation that I wanted to actually, for reals, share with you today. And that's the story of my Aunt Glenda. It's a recent chapter in her life. Grew up really close with my Uncle Greg and my Aunt Glenda. Their kids were our age, my cousins Adam and Alexis. And they were the house. They, they, they still to this day live up in the San Gabriel Valley, you know, Pasadena, Arcadia, Sierra Madre area. And we grew up there every holiday, you know, sleeping in the hallway, running out to be the first at the tree. Our families are pretty close. And so it's no surprise that when my aunt found out that there was a, a, a brain surgery that could really help her with a chronic issue she's had, that she invited my mom to come up with her and her husband, my Uncle Greg, and another brother, my Uncle Steve, to go up to San Francisco to see the special surgeon and have this special procedure. And a few days before they left, my mom and I were just kind of dialoguing about how it's going with the extended family who don't know Jesus. And my mom is, you know, trying to be a light, trying to bring hope, trying to be encouragement in a, what is an incredibly stressful and anxious season. If you've ever had injury or illness of any kind, or you know someone who has, then you know what I'm talking about. And it makes such a big difference, doesn't it? When you have a hope, not just for this life, but the life after this life. It, it, it shapes everything. And so my mom and I are kind of comparing notes, and I'm listening to her about how the, the God conversations are going. That's one of our pieces of our vision as a church, is to promote God conversations. And she's feeling really discouraged and I wonder, man, is there something I can do? Even with my busy schedule, even with lots of young kids, even with helping to lead a church. Maybe there's something I can do. And we're driving down the road that same day that I spoke to my mom, and my wife and I and the kids are all listening to the, the, the Bible in a Year on audio. You can all do that through your Bible app. Just listen a little bit, a couple minutes a day, and see what it does to shape your day. And uh, we're in the book of Acts, and it's Acts chapter 2, and the following verse, which is on the screen now, today we're going to talk about the kind of the, the hope that we have in Jesus, that's the big idea, the hope that we have in Jesus, that's our big idea, but this is the verse, 
that comes over the speakers, this whole chapter. But this is the verse that really jumped out at me. Peter, in the day of Pentecost, which is like this, talk about a church birthday. (laughs) This insane, historical, one-of-a-kind church birthday in the first century. The first believers that ever, ever congregated. And Peter is one of its leaders. And he stands up and gives this amazing sermon And he quotes the prophet Joel, and this is what Joel says. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I just thought, oh, what a stunning promise. Anyone, Lord? Really? Anyone? And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? And it just hit different. I heard the verse. I'm processing the verse, but all I can think about is my Aunt Glenda. And I think to myself, this verse was meant for me to hear on her behalf. I need to share it with her. This verse is not for me. This verse is for her. She needs to know the hope that she could have. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I got to share it with her. The Lord is telling me I need to share it with her. And so this is four or five days before surgery. And it's also the weekend before Labor Day. I text my Uncle Greg because I'm thinking she's preparing. She's not really in a state to, you know, administrate text message conversations. So I text my Uncle Greg and I say, hey, can I come visit on Labor Day? No, we're already going to be in the Bay Area for surgery. And I'm just thinking, I know, I know God has given me this task. And it feels like a test, you know. Like, Ben, I've given you this assignment. Will you clear your schedule? Would you, would you do whatever it took just to, just to see if you could have a meeting with her? And so it's a, it's a Wednesday morning, and I just say, he, you know, he says, Labor Day doesn't work, and I say, how about tomorrow? I mean, what does it cost me to drive an hour up to the San Gabriel Valley, have this conversation, come home? What does it cost me? But I just know this is my assignment. The Holy Spirit is helping me. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit, right? He's helping me, like, I want you to go out on a limb. And as I said, you know, they don't, religion, church, is not their cup of tea. And so Uncle Greg says, you know, Ben, we're just getting ready to go. It, it's not going to work out uh, before the holiday weekend, before we actually get on the road. Fast forward to the day after surgery. I get this text message from my uncle, my uncle Steve, who's there. He's the only one in the room with my, my Aunt Glenda. And he sent, the text message reads, Aunt Glenda wants you to pray for her right now. We'll call you and put you on speakerphone. I'm just thinking, this is it, this is the moment. Like, I call the, the elders of the church and the prayer team of the church, guys, start praying right now for my Aunt Glenda. And I'm telling my mom, my mom hasn't even got there. I call my mom, and I'm like, mom, what are you doing? Are you in the hospital room? She's like, I'm in the taxi. I haven't even gotten there yet. Crazy. I just thought maybe she heard from my aunt that I was trying to reach her. I don't even know how she heard. And so I'm all excited because I know I'm going to get the chance to share this verse with her. But there's um, one thing I've learned about these kinds of God conversations. And that is the fact that I can't just skip to the good news. (laughs) I I can't just fast forward to the hope we have in Jesus. And that, man, there's a rescue raft and it's the rapture and Jesus is coming. He's going to collect us and go. I, I, I can't just skip to the end. Before I can get to the good news and the hope we have in Jesus, I have to talk about the bad news. It's what one theologian living 200 years ago said. That's what gives the gospel its blasting power. The fact that it overcomes such amazing bad news. Right? 
You see, the Bible suggests that we live in a world where every single thing has been touched by sin, death, and decay. Every single thing. The natural world, you see weather patterns, broken parts of our land, our very land have been infected with sin. All the way to our biological bodies, infection and illness and death and genetic broken code, every single thing. Not just the behavior and the ways that we mistreat each other. Every single thing has been touched by sin. And this too you can find in the book of Joel. The same book that Peter is quoting in Acts chapter 2 comes from the book of Joel. Look what Joel says in, in chapter 1, 6 through 7. He describes this comprehensive reach of sin and death. He says, for a nation has invaded our land. There are so many of them, they're too numerous to, to count. <laughs> Forgive my typing. Their, their teeth are like those of a lion. They tear apart their, their prey like a lioness. They've destroyed our vines. They've turned our fig trees into mere splinters. They've completely stripped off the bark and thrown them aside. The twigs are stripped bare. That's interesting, isn't it? How could a nation do that? Well, actually, if you, if you went into the original language, you see he's talking about a nation of locusts. It's locusts that, that could do that. But not just, you know, our seasonal locusts here in America, but a plague of locusts so deep and wide it could blot out the sun. And that is imagery for sin's affect in our world today. So deep, so wide, so pervasive, so comprehensive, it's like a plague of locusts that could blot out the sun on a shiny day. It would feel as if a shadow was cast. And that shadow, the Bible calls, is sin. And it has its wicked reaches into every single nook and cranny. Like my sweet friend Ryan McDonald, who works for Foster the City, a nonprofit that we partner with as a church, who just found out in the last couple of weeks that his one-year-old son is potentially going to be deaf. Uh, folks like my Uncle Greg and Aunt Glenda, who have found out they have to have this kind of scary brain surgery. All the way down to global scale. The people in North Africa who, who wake up one day and then they go to bed that night and 10,000 people have been wiped away in a flood. How do you explain that? How can you possibly explain those, those levels of, of evil and decay? And that's where I started with my Aunt Glenda. You know, because I happen to know from talking to my mom and other members of my family that my Aunt Glenda has been through a lot in her life. In almost her 70 years of living, she's been through a lot. A lot of pain emotionally. Physical pain. Her, her kids, my cousins, have seen things that no young person should ever have to see. And so before I could tell her about the very good news and the hope that we all have as believers, I had to say, you know what, Aunt Glenda? I know you've been through a lot. And I, and I can't explain all those things, let alone excuse them. But I do want to tell you there is a hope that we can have for those who put our faith in Jesus. And I'm just drawing the same answer from the book of Joel. Look what Joel says about our response to sin and death and decay. This is from the Lord. He says, even now, return to me with your whole heart. With fasting and weeping and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your garments, God says. Return to the Lord your God, for he's merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and boundless in loyal love. Often, he's even relenting from calamitous punishment. The word of God says, 
Isn't that a, isn't that a wonder? I mean, I want my Aunt Glenda to know who, who has some experience with religion. Because you know what religion does? Religion says you need to go through this process and this rite and this ceremony and this ritual. Or you need to just try really hard to make your good works shine. And then maybe you can be saved. That's what religion says. That's not what the gospel says. That's not what Jesus says. He says, rip your hearts asunder. You know, like in that context, what, what, a, what a religious person would have done is they would have like ripped their clothes, dressed themselves in sacks, imagine a potato sack, and covered themselves in ashes and had this huge public spectacle and that somehow that was going to be redeeming. And God says, I take no stock in your external performance just to give me a broken heart, a contrite heart a heart that has come to the end of itself and realizes it cannot save itself. A heart that just says, I'm done with my self-salvation projects. I'm done. That's the formula? (laughs) Hear the word of the Lord. That's what he wants. A broken, contrite heart. And if we do that, if my Aunt Glenda would do that, if my whole family system would just do that, we could enter a kingdom that's filled with love and hope and peace and ultimately eternal life. And that's the picture that Joel goes on to paint. Look what he says. Our response is a broken heart. God's response is this. You'll be convinced that I, the Lord, am your God. Dwelling on Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy. Conquering armies. The the vast sea of armies. The comprehensive scope of sin and death will no longer pass through my walls as an almighty God. Did you wake up today convinced that the Lord is your God? You, you may not have a chance, if you're new to church or you're giving church a chance this morning for the first time or the second time in a, in a long time, you may not understand Zion or Jerusalem or Holy Mountain or what all that language means, but there's something you can understand that I want to give you a chance to pray through today in about five minutes. And what you can come to understand as a believer is that you can be convinced that the God of heaven and earth, the God of the Bible is your salvation, your protection, your peace. That is the promise to everyone who bends the knee to Jesus. He goes on. He doesn't stop there. He says, on that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine. The hills will flow with milk. All the dry stream beds of Judah will flow with water. A spring will flow out from the temple of the Lord, watering the valley of acacia trees. All these figures, all these images, water. What's water in the Bible except for this this amazing parable for life? (laughs) Life-giving power of the Holy Spirit that is offered to every single person who calls on the name of the Lord. Acts 2.21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now jumping back to Peter, who's quoting Joel, the, the first verse of his, of his quotation of Joel and the second and the last verse are right here. After all of these things, I will pour out my spirit on all kinds of people. Whoever you are in the room today, if you're coming back to Jesus or coming to Jesus for the first time, all kinds of people, no matter your background, no matter how you've cursed God or sworn religion off, no matter the evil, wicked, secret sins in your life, it could be a sum of your whole life, all kinds of people will have the invitation to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you call on the name of the Lord, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will not be spared from the pains of life. You will still face pain. You will still face trial, but not without 
hope now, guys. Not without hope now. You can feel what it is to be saved even on this side of eternity. That's the promise of Scripture. And so as I ended the phone call with my Aunt Glenda, you know, I, I prayed with her. Uh, prayers of thanksgiving for the surgeons and for technology and medicine and competence that could help patch her up. And I asked God for continued healing, that the biological processes would be, would be hurried and would be, would be perfected by God's intervention. And then I asked for the days to come, that, that God would protect her. He would be the fortress, the wall of security and strength and peace, that she wouldn't be filled with anxiety or stress or fear about what comes tomorrow. Because if you've had surgery, that's what you think about next. Prayed those simple prayers, and then I just, I just invited her to accept the truth of Jewel 2.32, Acts 2.21, that if you would call on the name of the Lord, you would be saved. It's an open invitation for you, Aunt Glenda. It's an open invitation for you today. And we're going to, you know, in, in two minutes from now, we're going to just go on the back patio and celebrate all that God's done. I hope you meet a new friend. Please do that. Say hi to someone you don't know. Sit and break bread with someone you don't know. Please do that. But I don't want to miss this moment right now for you to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a crazy churn in the story. What, what really floored me, and Riley, my wife, called this out when I called her after getting off the phone with Aunt Glenda. She said, how did your Aunt Glenda come to know you were trying to meet with her before you left? Think about that. My Uncle Steve didn't know about it. My mom wasn't in the room yet. My Uncle Greg hadn't even gotten there yet that morning. And yet my aunt, my aunt Glenda wanted a call with me for prayer. How did she come to the knowledge that someone was out there praying for her, vying for her, wanting to encourage her, if not by the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, maybe it was my Uncle Greg who ultimately said, hey, yeah, I was texting, you know, your nephew Ben five days ago. Maybe. All I had to do was mine to do. What mine to, to do was to send that text message. And the Holy Spirit took care of the rest. That's how I know if you're in this room right now, I don't need to do anything fancy for you to be humbled at the foot of the cross. I don't need to do any conjoling or convincing that the Holy Spirit is visiting you right now. You know who you are. You know what you're feeling right now. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. He tees it up and I just help <laughs> knock it down. And so right now, let's just close our eyes and I just want to give you a non-showy version today. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to even ask you to speak out loud. But if you are, are sitting there right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, and, you're, and, you're, and you know the Holy Spirit is, is visiting you right now. The Spirit of the living God has come to visit you. Because there's two things. One, you're sick and tired of trying to save yourself. Then I'm talking to you right now. If that's you, I'm talking to you right now. You're sick and tired of trying to save yourself and I'm talking to you and the Holy Spirit is coming to visit you right now. And number two, if you're sitting there and you're not sure of the hope that you have for today, not just when you die, but today, if you're not sure of the hope that you have, then I am talking to you right now. And I want you just to repeat after me. You can do this in your heart. Remember the verse we read, that's what God cares about, the posture of your heart and the way your heart speaks. I want you just to pre repeat after me. I want you to say, dear Jesus. Say it out loud or you can just say it in the quiet of your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, 
I'm sorry for the things I've made it. I'm sorry for the things I've made it. I accept the perfect sacrifice of your son, Jesus. I accept the perfect sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And I believe in my heart. And I profess with my lips that you are Lord. I believe in my heart and profess with my lips that you are Lord. And that's it. So Jesus, we just now all together in the room, our hearts go out to these people. If it's even one person, Lord, who's entered the kingdom today, we praise you. We say hallelujah. We say thank you, Jesus, because you go after the one. And God, you are not just a consolation. You are life itself. So thank you for filling those people, Lord, with a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit, the saving spirit of God for, the, for those who believe. God, I just pray that, that they would be filled with encouragement and peace and hope for, for this life and the life to come. And God, for everyone else in the room, Lord God, just fill us with a spirit of worship, of thanksgiving. Because even if we haven't been here for these last 11 years, may we connect ourselves to your great story of provision and grace for 11 years. You've kept the doors open. You've kept us alive and flourishing by the power of your spirit. We just thank you and praise you. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday morning message at Watermark OC Church. If you have questions, go to watermarkoc.com slash questions, or you can go to our homepage, watermarkoc.com, and reach out for coffee with a pastor. We cannot wait to meet you.